I'm Piers Morgan. Our censor coming up on tonight's programme, Britain paralysed by strikes. The country will be brought to a standstill next week as rail workers walk out in the biggest industrial action for 30 years. The boss leading these strikes will be with me live. Plus a surge in crime, a border crisis, dwindling popularity, and the embarrassment on the world stage is bumbling Joe Biden, the worst president in American history. And move over, French champagne. English wine is here. It's now been elevated to champagne status. Which one would you choose? Wine connoisseur Fred Syriacs and Lord Ian Botham will be here to give their verdicts. And what a beautiful, uncensored evening it is. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, all seems right with the world. Well, that didn't last long, did it? Yes, summer has barely started when all hell's about to break loose. If you're hoping to get a train in the UK next week, well, forget it. Millions of people across the country just trying to go about their businesses are facing utter chaos because rail workers are striking over pay and jobs, and they say it could go on all summer. At least 50,000 workers will walk out, meaning fewer than one in five trains will run. Network rail estimates that the strikes will cost the rail industry up to 150 million. Well, Transport Secretary Grant Shapp said the strike could lead to rail workers losing their jobs. I appeal directly to rail workers, who I think are less militant than their union leaders. Don't risk striking. Don't risk the industry and your future. Don't risk striking yourself out of a job. Don't pitch yourself against the public. Well, joining me now is the RMT union boss, Mick Lynch, who's responsible for all the mayhem that's about to come our way. Mr Lynch, good evening to you. Good evening. Yeah, I suppose my question is this. We've just come through a two-year pandemic. We have the appalling after-effects rippling through Europe from war in Ukraine. We've just about got over the fractured mayhem of Brexit. Uh, and now, just when it looks like the sun is literally coming out and people can start to feel hopeful and positive about life, along come you uh, and you're going to cause complete chaos and mayhem for the British public for the foreseeable future. And I only ask you, why do you think this is the right time to do this? Well, the sun's not going to shine on our members, uh, peers. If they lose their jobs, they're facing pay cuts in relation to living standards and they're facing having their conditions ripped up. We've been engaging with these employers and, indeed, the Department for Transport and various ministers for more than two years since COVID commenced back in March 2020. And we've put to them last December that we needed the issues addressed. They've told us that thousands of jobs are going to be removed from the railway by compulsory redundancies if necessary, and that the pay freeze is going to continue. Now, we haven't had any offers on the issues at stake. They've had plenty of time to resolve these matters. And many of our members are going into the third year now where they've not had a pay, a pay deal, uh, any increment on their money at all. So we don't want this dispute, but we needed to, to make sure that the message was given that we're not going to accept our conditions being ripped up and being driven into a form of fire and rehire, akin to P&O, which we also dealt with. And we think the, the government is taking the opportunity of COVID, the same as the aviation industry has done, 
to try and strip out jobs, strip out conditions and make people casualised across the UK. And it's a phenomenon that we're faced with, insecure work, precarious work. And we're not going to accept that. We're going to fight for our... Right, listen, our, I understand you fighting for your workers. I do. And I'm not against unions, per se. And I've supported actions in the past when I felt that they're justified and they're well-timed. It's the timing of this. It's the fact that so many ordinary people going about their ordinary lives are going to be facing complete chaos for the next week and maybe many weeks after that, just at a time when everyone's starting to feel a little bit better about life. And I would put it to you, if you're putting the devil's advocate position on this, the government has pumped billions into the rail industries. It has many other industries uh, throughout the, the, the carnage of the pandemic. Uh, Network Rail says they've not announced any job cuts and will find job savings by not replacing employees who leave the organisation through voluntary redundancy. Obviously, I, I guess that's an arguable point between you and well, them. You're after an true. 11% rise for your members, some of whom, as you know, not all, but some of whom are train drivers earning £54,000 a year. Uh, now, I would say to you, look, I'm not against your workers being protected by you. Uh, you're doing your job. But when it comes to pay rises following a pandemic, why are we not giving nurses 11% pay rises? Police well, I want, workers, 11% pay, pay rises. Rise, People who are really at the real front line of all this. Well, we were on the front line. We, our members worked all the way through the pandemic. They were the driving managers... trains, mate. They were driving trains, they were fixing tracks, they were signalling trains, they were cleaning trains... Yeah, but it's not the same as you know as actually saving lives. That's my point. Well, it's well, all comparative. If, well, if we're going to be dishing out public money when there's very little public money to dish out, surely you would accept that health workers, for example, should be first in the line. They were in the real front line, well, not I'll, train I'll try drivers. And to that. I'll try and respond to that, uh, Piers, if I can. Our members worked through the COVID. They were on the front line and railway workers died and transport workers died as a result of being at work during that period. Now, we're not asking for compensation for that. All we're asking for is a pay increase that reflects what we've done uh, during that period and the cost of living. We're also asking that we don't have our conditions ripped up and our jobs stripped back. Network Rail are making these cuts and they have put to me directly across the table a, a proposed cut of 2,900 uh, track workers... Directly. They've done that face-to-face. -face. So it's just not true that they haven't proposed job cuts. But isn't that, it's... isn't that a different issue, which is an issue of technology, that they believe they have technology now which will actually be safer than having human workers on the track potentially risking yeah, their we, lives? Is we that deal with true? technology all of the time, Piers. Ever since the, the Stevenson's rocket, we've dealt with changing the railway industry. Mm. But we must do that in an environment of agreement, not in position. Now... If it comes to the question of other workers, and there are many deserving workers, and the British worker needs a pay rise, and we're part of the trade union movement, and we want all workers to have a pay rise. But they can't all get 11%, can they? 11% is a If our members do without their pay, nurses won't get a pay rise, bin workers won't get a pay rise, care workers won't get a pay rise. What will happen is that the train operating companies and others, who made £500 million of profit last year in the worst year of train revenues... £500 million they took out. They will just get increased profits. Two of the companies I'm dealing with right now are subject to takeover bids because they're so profitable. First Group, which is the, one of the chief train operating companies, made over £2 million a week last year. Uh, Go Ahead is subject to a takeover where they're bidding uh, highly inflated share prices at £14.50 an hour. These people are making a killing. And it won't go to uh, nurses and other... 
uh, people that deserve, it will go into the profit margins of these companies. I mean, I've been watching you doing interviews for the last couple of weeks, and you're passionate about it. And again, I don't, I'm, no problem with you trying to do the best job for your workers. But you've been banging on a lot about there's too many rich people in the country. You, know, you earn 124,000 pounds a year, right? I mean, that's not a, I don't, that's not a small. I don't. That's your salary package, right? No, it's not. My salary is 84,000 pounds a year. If you What's the total package? Well, the, the, the total package includes tax and national insurance and pension contributions. Well, everyone's but my salary package is 84,000. I'm very happy with that. Everyone's package includes that. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, what's your package? Well, I would hope more than yours. Well, but why, I'm not why running... Don't tell, I, why don't you tell everyone what you earn? You're asking me I'm what not, I earn. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm not actually leading out my members, I don't have any, on a strike which is yeah. going to cause huge inconvenience exactly. so to the British people. The majority of people in this dispute are earning between twenty five and £31,000. Yeah, but some are earning 54000 aren't they? Some probably earn more than that. Rail please, engineers... The median, the, the median salary for a railway worker that we're covering in this dispute is £31,000 a right, year. Right, but train drivers can that, get 54000 or work. more... Well, engineers can get up to 50,000. I mean, a lot of your workers earn good money. And my point is really, at a time of economic crisis, when people are literally struggling to feed their kids, when food bank queues are getting bigger, is this the right time for you to be holding the country to ransom for 11% pay rises? Well, we're not holding anyone to ransom. Well, we haven't are. asked for 11 Well, if you let me answer the question, well, we you haven't just, you asked just denied for a 11%. Fact. Well, are you going to let me answer the question? I am. We haven't asked anyone in this dispute for an 11% pay rise. We've pointed out that inflation, the RPI, is currently 11.1. At the point we should have done a deal with Network Rail, it was 7.1. And last year, it was 0.9. Other companies, it was around 75 to 8%. So let's get that straight. We're not asking for 11%. You are quoting what that figure because you, you, are, you want because that to be in headlines, where, right? That's where inflation is going, and it's going above 11%. And if we don't get a pay rise this year, we'll have lost out for maybe between 15 okay, I want to show you... or more percent. All right, but just in relation to your personal remuneration, do you not think there's a slight inconsistency between saying there are too many rich people in the country and we're going to take all their money away and you earning well, a shared load of cash? I've never said that there's too many rich people. What I've said is that they're, the... the Super rich in this country have never been richer. We've got more billionaires than we've ever needed. And if we want to get equity in this country, we need to restructure that. And that means the British worker getting a pay rise. My pay is set by a vote are you a million, Are you a millionaire, mate? I'm not a millionaire, no. Really? What? Really? No, I'm not. I spent 38 years on the tools as an electrician, Piers, before I got... Yeah, but quite a few years of 120 years grand in package, that's, that adds up quite well, quickly, doesn't it? No, it? Well, not particularly, no. The majority of my life I've spent on the tools as an electrician, as a railway worker. Okay. So, I even show if my you, money wanna... was taken off me... So, I work for whatever my union decides, and they do that by a vote of yeah, the members not, at our annual general I'm not general saying meeting. you don't deserve it. I'm saying if you're going to start talking about there are too many rich people, it's a little bit rich. Well, you're saying you... I said there were too many rich people. I didn't say there were too many. What Did I they... said was there have never been more super-rich people. Right. Well, and we, what now they you're need talking to in do... semantics. Let me, let me say... They... Need... Well, I'm not talking semantics. Well, you are I'm talking, talking semantics. You say there are too many rich people. There are too many rich people, is what you're saying. Well, I haven't said that. What I've said is that there's an imbalance in this society between people who are super rich, who are getting the benefits of dividends and shares, and that needs to be sacrificed a wee bit so that the rest of the people in this country can get a pay rise for the work that they do. Now, that includes health right, workers let me, let me and care workers, 
council workers, low-paid people all over the country. Let me, let me show you your, what I believe is your Facebook page. I want you to confirm or deny if this is your Facebook page. It's a picture yes, of, can you a see picture the, of the hood from Thunderbirds. Can you see the likeness? Well, I'm just wondering where the comparison goes because he was obviously <laughs> an evil criminal terrorist mastermind uh, described as the world's most dangerous man who wreaked utter, the is utter the level carnage you're pitching this havoc at, uh, on the public. Is that the level you're pitching this at, Piers? That is a joke amongst me and my friends and you can see the likeness, if you like. So He's you're not denying that you are eyebrows. comparing yourself to the hood? I'm not comparing myself to anyone. I'm me. You've literally made your profile picture the hood. And I'm simply well, saying, I was so a massive... What? If it was a bunch I was of a Thunderbirds fan, it, it, if, and the hood was, was the most dangerous, flowers, evil person in the world. He's the most evil puppet made out of vinyl in the world. Is that the level your journalism's at these days? I simply asked you if that was you and your Facebook page. Well, do, you, do, do you think I look like the most evil person in the world, Piers? Well, now you're asking me to, to answer a difficult question, Mick. I don't know you that well. All well, I'm I saying don't think is, I am you the most evil person in the world. I'm just I think I'm a working-class bloke who's leading a trade union in a dispute over jobs, if you, pay, and conditions. I understand. If you don't want to be compared to the hood, probably better not to have the hood as your well, profile picture. I think it's quite funny. So do I. But I well, also like, as I was Wait, a Thunderbirds is that the level fan. We're at, though, don't you want to talk about the issues rather than a little vinyl simply, puppet from the I'm 1960s? I'm simply trying to get inside the mindset of the man about to wreak havoc on the country. It makes <sighs> me laugh. Honestly, that you have the hood as your profile pic because that's a man who wreaked havoc on the world. Well, it makes me laugh that your level of journalism has descended so far that you can't think of any other question rather than a, a I thing didn't about put, the I didn't put that picture on your profile page. Yeah, but you've chosen to spend two or three minutes of this interview talking about an irrelevant. Because you seem so but irritated by the comparison. Well, because you seem so irritated by the comparison to the I'm hood. I'm not irritated at all. I'm completely. You seem very calm irritated. About it. Well, I'm not. You're not? This is your non-irritated phase, is it? <laughs> what point are you trying to prove, Piers? I mean, I'm not trying to, point, to, I'm not up, trying to prove not anything. Is it? You put it on your Facebook page. I'm simply asking, right. it's an odd choice for a union boss okay. who's about to go on to ask a, a series of strikes to have Piers, that have as your choice. nothing to say about the issues that we face? I, I've made my feelings clear. I think that you yeah. are entitled to do your job, but I think when your job starts to impact massively on millions of people in this country, hmm. just at a really hard time for the country. I think you've mistimed this, and I think if you spend the whole summer causing discontent, then I think you're misreading the mood of the nation. Well, what we're trying to do is get a settlement to a dispute, and we will do that and we'll work with all of the companies involved and we'll work with the government if they want to come to the table to try and get a settlement to the dispute, which is a serious one, because I think many working-class people in this country are fed up of being exploited and they're fed up of low pay, they're fed up of precarious work and being vulnerable to, to the uh, changes in society that they've been put through and the economic model that we've got, which is outsourced, uh, and no conditions in their work. We need to change that, and that's what this dispute is part of. Attempt to rebalance power in society. I'm not against you negotiating at all on behalf of your members. All I would point out to you, uh, finally, is that Grant Shapps does bear a striking resemblance to Virgil from the Thunderbirds, and from yeah. memory, as a fan of the Thunderbirds, he actually took out the hood. Well, the hood came back every week. <laughs> and maybe that's a message he's got to take, that everyone was in it every week. And they there were you locked go, you in see, a relationship. You see, now and you're, right, now you're rising proudly... In a relationship for a while. Right, now you're proudly, proudly positioning yourself <laughs> as the hood. 
Uh, Mick Lynch, good to if talk to you. that's where you want to go, go there. I didn't want to go there. You, you went there. But good to talk to you. I'm getting the hood. I'm getting the hood evils there. Uh, okay. On Sensor next, the Pierce Pack is back, and I today have conservative author Douglas Murray, talk TV's international editor Isabel Oakshot, and playwright and author Bonnie Greer. Welcome back. I'm joined now by today's Piers Fact, TV, Talk TV's international editor Isabel Oakshot and author Bonnie Greer and associate editor of The Spectator and author Douglas Murray, uh, who I guess... Is, are you in New York, Douglas? I am indeed. So, look, from your lofty uh, scenario over there in New York, looking back at your <laughs> mother country here, uh, a lot of things have been bubbling here big. And I wouldn't mind just getting your take on that from New York. Uh, first of all, I don't know if you heard that interview just now with Mick Lynch about the yeah, strikes coming next week. But it does feel like a real throwback, this, to the 70s and 80s. You know, the old, you know, uh, militant union bosses holding the country to ransom. I just can't help yeah. feeling it's so ill-timed to be doing this right now. I couldn't agree more. I listened to the interview with great interest uh, because, um, like everybody else in Britain, I have had an experience plenty of times in my life of what happens when the rail unions go on strike. And, you know, what it means is that everybody trying to get into their place of work has the most miserable time imaginable. Uh, I've done it myself countless numbers of times when the unions strike. You end up having to stand for hours at a bus stop to get onto a massively overcrowded bus and travel for hours to do a journey that would normally take you maybe half an hour. And so every time this happens, public sentiment against the unions grows. I can just, I can assure you, and many of your viewers will uh, appreciate this, nobody stands under somebody else's armpit on a massively overcrowded bus yeah. for hours and thinks happily about the rail unions. Nobody thinks, yeah, those guys should get a way above inflation pay rise. Nobody thinks that. Well, that's Nobody the problem. Well, that uh, Bonnie Greer is raising her hand, under, actually. I stand under people's armpits, and I don't have a problem with that. I think a part of civilised society... Well, you're an unusual is, person. Well, well, it's true, and I used to live in New York, too, so I can say that. Part of uh, civilised society is that workers should be able to withhold their labour, and that's... We need organised labour. I have no problems with this at all, even though... Even though it is hurting people, I admit that. It is hurting people. There's no problems with it, really? No, I really don't. They want an 11% pay Uh, rise. They they probably deserve it. They don't deserve it. Why don't they deserve it? Why would a train driver who may be earning £54,000 or more a year right now in this economic climate deserve an 11% pay rise? Well, nurses can barely get 1%. Well, that's, that's... I can't go into a technical thing about a train driver... But that is a very... That's a skilled job. 54 that's, grand. That's a skilled And in fact, job. he admitted they were more. Well, no, that, that's an important job. I don't mind them getting a lot it's of money. It's not saving lives. It's driving well, a train. But, but he's also, you get in, you sit got, there, you press driving, a button, But he's not driving drive. an empty... No, he's not just pressing a button. Pretty much. And he's not, pretty and he's not much. got his... pretty much well, listen, I don't know anything about driving a train. All I'm saying is... How do you know All I'm saying, I'm going to give them the 11 cent play rise because they're workers and that's what I'm... Well, that's ridiculous, Alex. It's not a ridiculous... All right, then any worker can ask for anything. 
Bonnie, you, Bonnie Greer, just go, yeah, you can have it. Yeah, Isabel. I would, actually. Isabel. Oh, well, Douglas, you want to come back on that? I would, actually. I just wanted to point out, Bonnie said that it's a skilled job. She then said it's an important job. It is an important job. It's not a skilled job. And there's one way to tell that, Bonnie. Mm. You or I could become trained. a train driver if we trained. But yeah. you or I could not just become a brain surgeon tomorrow, could we? Right. What's that got to do with being a train driver? Well, the point being, it's not oh. that skilled a oh, work, Oh, no, well, we got, well, we're going we're gonna to compare brain surgeon to a train well, driver. Well, let's compare. No, is but it? what I would compare is brain surgeons it's, to this. And anyone working in the health You can, but you can't put a brain surgeon to this. It's so unskilled that, guess what, we can actually get driverless trains, and that is what we should be looking to do. This is a long-term investment. There's no quick fix here, but these guys are basically talking themselves out of a job. Their pay packages are pretty generous. I've looked at the fine print. There have been various good newspaper exposés of that in recent days. I mean, many, many people in this country would absolutely love those jobs. And frankly, if I were in well, charge, I would sack a lot of them. That's not how you other measure anything. In. These people are driving trains. Oh, I, no. have, I have no problem with giving people who are driving trains what they want. No problem. Oh, That's a ridiculous no attitude, it's not a, Bonnie. It's not a you can't just say you can have whatever you want. I, I, look, I, I am interested in safety. I'm interested in what... If workers need to have a play rise in this climate... I don't know when they last I don't think, years. I don't I, know when they last I don't month. think the priority right now... I have nothing against train drivers, by the way. I don't get the train that often. When I do, it's an OK experience. It used to be much more enjoyable driving on the train... It's not enjoyable anymore. Uh, they, you know, they run late. They have poor records now well, on they're all service. They're owned, aren't they? Well, I just they think it's not an experience it used to be. Those. It's not that enjoyable. Well, you know, Packing it's, people it's, in sardines it, on smaller it's, carriages. It's not like, their problem. It's not their fault. Donnie, your argument just seems to be because they want a pay rise, they should get a pay rise. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to apply that to every single worker in this country? And if so, and they can have whatever how on they earth want, is it going to be paid for? You can all have whatever you want. Who's going to pay for the pay rises? Is it going to be millions of passengers? So what are you saying exactly? That we I'm should... saying that your argument is utterly absurd, that they should have a pay rise because they want it and you think that they're And they clever. should have whatever they want. I think, I think that the, the, the basic premise of this is I'm for workers. I guess that's well, what I'm saying. Of course, we're all for workers. I guess that's what I'm saying. Now, we want to sit around and talk about should they get 12%, should they get 13%, I don't know. I'm for workers, I, but, I, but, I, but Bonnie, if I'm a not... Worker, if a worker I, goes I'm out, I get that's it. all that they have. But I'm for workers, but labor. I'm not for a bankrupt country, which is where your philosophy, right. I'm afraid, <laughs> would take us. D Douglas, I want to bring you back to the other raging story of the week is, of course, Rwanda. I'm interested in your take, Douglas, on on what you think about it. It seems to me this is a completely doomed policy, that whether you agree with the principle behind it, it's just not going to happen. Well, it, 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 that's possible that it won't happen. I, I, I support the policy. I support us having borders. I support stopping and uh, dissuading people from engaging in illegal migration <clears throat> into the country. And nobody who's criticised the Rwanda policy has yet come up with a better policy of what to do to stop the illegal migration at the south coast. Uh, but you're right, Piers, it may well not happen. Of course, the first plane didn't end up taking off this week. Uh, and why? Because of the ECHR. And I think, by the way, I wrote this last week in The Sun. I said that, and I've said many times in the last few years, there was always going to come a day when the British people realised that we had left the customs union and other aspects of the EU, but we remained under the jurisdiction of European law. 
Now, the ECHR and the European Court that enforces it uh, was the mechanism by which various people made sure that the plane couldn't leave to Rwanda this week. The British courts approved it, uh, but the uh, various activist lawyers and trade unions and others went to use the ECHR, and that was why the flight was blocked. So here's the thing, I think, Pierre. This is a, this is a massive political um, car crash that's been waiting to happen for a long time. The government did not bother to address the issue of the ECHR in recent years. And now the British public are getting to see something that should have been completely predictable, which was that we have remained and do remain still under the jurisdiction of elements of European law. Yeah. And that is not why we left the EU. We did not land, of course, at this point all the smart asses say, oh, well, the ECHR is different from the EU. That's true. But nevertheless, the idea of Brexit was we get back control of our borders, of our sovereignty and the right to make our own laws. You know, my problem with Brexit... shown this my, week, my we don't problem, have that. Uh, Douglas, my problem with Brexit, and I voted Remain, but then I also voted for Boris Johnson at the election because he was the only leader prepared to deliver the result of the referendum. And I believe yes. that democracy and honouring democratic votes was more important than my personal feelings. I've got to say, though, I tweeted this yesterday to a huge response. At some stage, we are going to have to start seeing some benefits from Brexit. Yeah, sure. And if we don't, you know, the, 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 the jungle drums beating to try and maybe overturn it with future governments, they're going to get louder. Because right now, it's very yeah. hard to point to anything and say, well, look, Brexit's working. Well, I think that's true. I think that, that I mean, I don't agree that it, nothing is good from uh, the last few years. It's been a very unusual time. And of course, don't forget the moment we left the EU, uh, we immediately went into a global pandemic and turned down. So it's extremely hard actually to work that stuff out. I do maintain, though, that the main reason the British public voted for Brexit was that we were told, I think with, with honesty and, and, and accurately, that we could make sure that we could become a sovereign country again in charge of our own borders, in charge of our own okay, laws. Bonnie, come like in on America let's is, not like leave, other countries let's not are. Leave the impression that this was an overwhelming vote for Brexit. This was pretty much... This was very narrow. Well, it was and actually... The, and the idea, well, yeah, but hang on, and hang on. It was over and 17 and, and a half million but, but, people. Exactly, but it was... One of the was, biggest votes in the history it, of our right, country. But it was a narrow result. And the fact that something like this was decided on a simple yes... Mm. One person could have decided Brexit on a mm. simple majority is absurd. I'm not and sure people why like me. I don't think you can revisit it. I, this debate I, do, is I do think, though, that the call down the line for another referendum will get louder if there are no benefits to be seen mm. from well, Brexit. Actually, I'm going to surprise you by agreeing with you on that, and I'm probably going to annoy a bunch of Brexiteers. I mean, now we've got to make Brexit work. Yeah. It's supposed to be an opportunity. And by the way, I want it to work. Not a problem. Now, now that we've pressed this button as a country, so, I respect people's opinions. So, 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 Brexit was absurd Bonnie, rather than ranting about Brexit... No, I'm not Brexit. ranting. You I'm not ranting. ranting. No, I'm not. You, you can't undo the referendum, Bonnie. You have not let me respond. And if you call me a ranter, how can I let you respond? All right. The point well, I would like to make is you're absolutely right. The whole country needs to see everybody, including those that didn't vote for Brexit, because benefit. in the end, we're all in this together, well, we needs to see tangible benefits. And seen? among those is going to have to be leaving the European <sighs> Court well, why, of Human Rights. On, on. And now the government haven't... has the perfect opportunity to do that. I think everybody can well, get behind that. Why do you think that. we haven't seen any tangible benefits yet? I didn't say we hadn't seen any tangible right. benefits. I right. said that we've got to see Brexit as an opportunity. Okay. I want to get one other subject in here, Bonnie. And, you know, we, 
It's, an, it's, it's a touchy one. And yeah, I because to... I told you I wasn't going to deal with this subject, did I? know, I? but I actually, in itself, that response, I think, is unacceptable. I'll it tell is you, acceptable. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you... No, no, unacceptable. I'll tell you why. So the story behind this is that tonight in The Sun, they're going to reveal a story that uh, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, uh, has apparently told NHS bosses that they have to rescind what they've been doing on the NHS website, which is removing all gender-specific language, particularly, in fact, exclusively, about women. And what they were doing was, on the guidance for women about health issues involving various cancers, specific to women, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer and so on, they removed any mention of women. And they did this to appease the trans activist lobby. To appease them. Right. Now, I tell you why it's, why it's a, a miscalculation. I've written a column about this tonight for the sun on the back of it. Because if you are a trans woman, mm -hmm. so you're a biological male who transitions and becomes a trans woman, under the new rules which came in last year, you can have new medical records established under your new self-identity. But that means you don't get automatically called for screening for the specific diseases pertaining to your biological sex. And that is actually going to put people's lives at risk. Well, I, you know, and that's my problem okay, with this is the first Other than the fact that okay, there's a war this, on, hang on calling hang women on, women. Let, this is the first time I've heard this. This is extremely complicated, and you've laid it out as it should be laid out. But I think that for the health secretary, who's a layman, just like you mm -hmm. and me, to actually make a directive against doctors, that part is wrong. And I don't, I don't know Why? what... Why? He's a No, 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 he's not. No, he's a politician. He's elected. He's, he's a politician. He's a boss. Hang on. He's a politician. Doctors made the decision. I'm assuming. Not in this country, no. Well, well, <laughs> Unfortunately, who's, women, women the are. health service is not run by doctors. And that may be news to we you. Don't, we don't, it's no, run listen, by politicians. We, Bonnie, Hang on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not talking about who runs it. If the health... I'm going to make the assumption... Isabel, can I speak? Well, thank I, you. I'm if I, if we, can I speak? You didn't give me... All right, all right. You speak. I'll sit in and listen to you. Fine. All well, right. Let, I me, will let, speak. Me, let me just put another point of the column I wrote, which is about. We did this on the show yesterday briefly, and I look more into it. So, the Burgess Hill Girls School in West Sussex, the head teacher came out, the headmistress, and she said, We're not going to use the word girls anymore. And the school's name remains Burgess Hill Girls School. She also said she was now reviewing whether to ever use the word daughter in correspondence to parents, <laughs> lest it cause offence. And yet, if I looked at the website, which I did today for Burgess Hill Girls School, the very first paragraph talks about, we're going to turn your young girls into wonderful women. In other words, to get the money from the parents to en enrol their kids at the school, they, the headmistress herself, in a you're letter, a uses gender-specific language. No, no, it, would, it will you're not surprise you that I think this whole thing is utterly absurd, but I think that you made a, actually a really good point, which I would imagine is going to be quite hard for people to argue against over this issue of whether they have what their health records say right. in terms of being called up for screening. But what about this whole thing of, um, you know, men coming in for screening and asking whether they could be pregnant? Right. I think that's going to be can, an can insult. Yes, can. Can I say something? I have a family member who is transitioning right. in a very difficult situation. Right. I completely support her. Her. I completely support her. And I think this conversation now... I hear what you're saying, mm. but it is extremely complicated. It's extremely complex. Actually, it's not that complicated. It is complex. Yes, can, it is. No, it's not. Because yes, I, it is. Yes, it is. No, yes, let me explain is. why I don't yes, think it is. Yes, it is. And I'm telling you this okay. as a woman. I think, this is complicated. No, I think what's happened is that, unfortunately, 
in the, in the promotion of trans rights, which I support, to fairness and equality, there are new inequalities and unfairnesses being created. And the main one for me, when you degender all this language around women and girls, when you say that you're not allowed to use the word girls in a girls' school, when the NHS removes the word women from, from specific guidance Piers, to women you, about you, women's you, diseases... If you are particularly upset about degendering... If that's yes. what you're saying. Yes. You know as a writer that all kinds of titles have been degendered in our lifetime. But I don't agree with most of them. Well, it. that's different. Well, think, that's different. I think it's a that, war on the but, use of the word But that's different, women. and I'm telling you, words have been degendered in my lifetime, and you know that. People, I don't use the actress. I don't use the word actress anymore. Well, I can't even get on a plane with British Airways anymore and hear the familiar words, ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, because somebody goes, know. I'm offended. Well, don't What about, about the rights it? of all the people well, who want to be called have, a lady have, or a gentleman? Have a discussion about it. I never wanted to be called lady, and that was before this whole thing... I want to be called a gentleman. I never wanted to be called a lady. All right, leave it there. you are. reality is... Douglas, I kept you out of this, Douglas. I can hear you chuckling in the background, but I'm keeping you for the next debate we're having, which is uh, over your way, actually, about whether Joe Biden could, is could the worst American like president Why can't I be seen. on that? Because uh, you're I'm an American. I'm afraid you're ranted out for one show. Sorry. <laughs> you didn't tell me of this. That's the one I wanted to be at. <laughs> That's the way I wanted to be. All right. We'll be back after the break. Thank you to my, to my ladies here. If I can... This week, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the new White House press secretary, laughed off suggesting Joe Biden doesn't have the physical or mental stamina for a second term as president. Let's take a moment and consider that this man is the leader of the free world. Vice President Biden. Vice President. <laughs> that was a joke. Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> $1.9 trillion relief so far. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. That's the commitment we made. Well, Sleepy Joe reporting for duty, but is he fit for office? Doug Murray, Douglas Murray is still with me. I'm also joined by the author, Douglas Brinkley, and former White House Communications Director, Anthony Scaramucci. Welcome to all of you. Um, let me start with you, Anthony, because you are a, a fierce opponent of your old boss, Donald Trump, and will do probably anything to stop him getting back in office. But I've got to say, with every day that we have Joe Biden in office, the chances of Trump making a comeback increase, don't they? They do. I'm a, listen, I'm, I'm a realist and I'm objective. I do think that the chances increase. I would like to think that there are younger, uh, better suited uh, Republican politicians that will win the nomination. But yes, uh, having said that, these uh, testimonies that we're hearing this past week, uh, Pierce, I think that could possibly finish Trump. So you've got a choice between someone that was trying to revoke the American Republic 
And obviously, you know, the president, President Biden has his issues, but I would, I would choose the latter over the former. Doug Brinkley, you're a historian. You know more about presidents than I've forgotten in my life. Uh, where does Joe Biden currently rank? Because it seems on almost every metric, foreign stage, debacle after debacle, domestic stage, horrific inflation surging now, almost everything he touches turns to the opposite of gold. You know, people are saying he's the worst president they can ever remember. Is he? Well, look, he's been president for a year and a half, and uh, we can only judge it during that. He had a horrible first year, but so did Bill Clinton in 1993, who came up with a goose egg, nothing, for pushing uh, affordable care. Ronald Reagan had a tough first year, so I don't want to write the political obituary of Joe Biden yet. But with the, with the inflation in the United States and with the gasoline prices and with the fact that it's where climate change and forest fires and COVID and Ukraine and people are tense, um, Biden seems more like a placeholder to people, something like Gerald Ford after Watergate or perhaps Jimmy Carter, who was trying to keep faith after Vietnam and Watergate. Um, and so he doesn't seem to be an epic political leader. He seems to be uh, his greatest virtue is that he's not Donald Trump, and that's what he ran on last time. And if he decides to run again, that's going to be be what he tries to sell himself as, better me than the other guy. Because, Douglas Murray, it may not be Trump at all, because the leader now in the polls to win the Republican nomination is actually the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who's making a real yeah. charge now. And I, I sort of see him as Trump without all the baggage and without all yeah. the madness. He's a kind of more sort yeah. of responsible version, which can be very electable. And I would think he's licking his lips, isn't yeah. he? The chance of getting at Biden in 2024? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, a, there's the issue of, uh, for the Republicans of getting Trump out of the way. Now, of course, not everyone wants to get him out of the way, but a lot of Republicans do. And then have, as you say, Trumpism without Trump. Uh, DeSantis is a very impressive politician. Uh, he's shown how he can govern and make uh, difficult decisions uh, uh, and, and successful decisions as governor of Florida. So he's got that behind him. He's not, not you know, he, it's not nothing that you can run a major state like Florida. He's a very attractive candidate. And the Republicans have a lot of attractive candidates, actually. They've got a good bench. The same cannot be said about the Democrats, right. it has to be said. And there is going to be a massive issue about this. You know, if Biden's not going to run again, who is? Uh, Kamala Harris with much, much lower approval ratings even than Biden. But here's a very quick thing. America is in this very strange position of all the world's democracies. Everybody running for the top office at the moment is around the age of 80. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, remember, is over 80. There's no other country in the world well, it is, outside it is. a couple of monarchies where I that's can, I the case. I completely agree. And, Anthony, I mean, if Biden was to run again, he'd be near a 90. I mean, it just seems to me that given his current state, where he looks half asleep, this is an unthinkable proposition for the Democrats, isn't it? Well, listen, we both read Shakespeare, though, Pierce. He's probably running again. I mean, you, you get power like that. I think it's very hard to relinquish that power. Uh, of course, something could happen to his health, God forbid. I certainly don't wish that. Uh, but I agree with Douglas. I would like to see younger, more energetic politicians. I sort of feel the baby boomer class of politicians, or that genre, if you will, has failed the country. The political establishment has been abysmal. It's time for a younger crop of people to step in, and so I hope that that happens, but I do think he's running again. Douglas Brinkley, it's 50 years since Watergate, uh, and we're looking at these January 6th hearings, and many people are saying, wow, 
have we really learned anything from what happened to the country back in the early 70s? How do you compare the two? Well, of course, so Richard Nixon was a sitting president um, during Watergate, and all of the president's men went to jail. Uh, Ehrlichman and Haldeman and Colson and Mitchell, they actually did jail time. Um, you're, we're dealing with Donald Trump right now about an ex-president's behavior while he was president. And in some ways, it's more ominous January 6th. It's, a, it's more of a bellwether about whether our democracy is stable and strong. And it's a visual event. We're all watching it, Piers, as seeing the people raiding the Capitol. Watergate, Nixon had the smoking gun that he developed himself, the tapes. Uh, there are no Trump tapes, per se, that are, are going to spell his demise. But the commission report, as it's being pulled together, is quite damning on Trump. It looks like he was trying to orchestrate a coup and then find a legal theory for it. Yeah. Um, whether he survives this or not, we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, panel, thank you very much to Anthony, both Douglases. Great to talk to you all, and um, we'll see what happens. Thank you very much. Well, Uncensored Thank next with news of Sussex wines gaining a champagne-like status. I'll be asking wine connoisseur Fred Syriax and Lord Ian Botham. Could it ever be better than French public? I think I know Beefy's answer. About. We Brits have always enjoyed a glass of French champagne, but now there's a new English bubbly in town. The sparkling wine from my own county of Sussex has been given a champagne-style status. But how does it compete? Well, I'm joined now by the French maitre d', Fred Syriax, along with former cricketer-turned-winemaker, Lord Ian Botham. Well, Beefy, let me start with you, because uh, I know that you have a rival vineyard in neighbouring Kent to Sussex. You must be feeling gutted tonight yes. that my county has stuffed you. Well, actually, not really, because if I can show you the bottle, uh, Piers, uh, the Balfour wine, Rosé, was uh, in bottled, the one that was bottled in 2004, and vintage, uh, it was shown at the show in Paris in a blind tasting, and the judges, when they were horrified, when they pulled off the, the bag, and there was a bottle of Balfour uh, Rosé sparkling. And we're not allowed to call it champagne, but I think we will from now on. So what you're saying but, is that uh, your own, no, sorry, your own Kent of, wine true. is actually superlative. That's what you're saying. Of course. <laughs> what else would you expect? No, Beefy, I wouldn't expect you <laughs> but, to ever uh, put... No, look, it, it is good. I wouldn't expect you to ever put French wine above anything English. But is it, just to be serious for a moment, how good is the stuff we're now producing here? Does it deserve this kind of comparative status? I think it's for quite some time now, along the south, south coast of England, um, the, the wines have improved so much, and maybe it's something to do with the weather, the warming up, but um, it, it's been fantastic. All the way along the coast, you can find really good, particularly sparkling, uh, sparkling wines. OK, well, we've um, got, a t- we got a test so, look, here. I'll tell you what, Piers. Yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. No, I'll say I've, got, I've got Fred here. No, I say... Uh, Fred, we've got a, we've got a bottle of Krug, yeah. which is my one of my favourite tipples, along with Dom Perignon, uh, from the French, obviously. But we also have got this Tinwood, which is the Sussex one that's just been called the new Champagne. What do you think? 
I, I think it's very good. I think that me and Ian made a very good point. I think that, you know, that, I mean, when you compare, for example, English sparkling wine with champagne, the subsoil in the, is the same in England as it is in Champagne, but also because of climate change now, it's getting warmer. So therefore, the wines are getting better. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that, that's very, very important. But I think it's good that the wines are getting the recognition. And basically, what's happening in Sussex is about a quality label, a quality standard, um, which I think... It's good, but at the same time, we have to understand the cons, is that if, for example, you want to produce wine which is going to be slightly outside um, the standards that have been set for Sussex, you won't be able to do that anymore because you've got to stay within the constraint, which is very good because it's a minimum standard. And that should raise the standard, shouldn't it? Yes. Um, Beefy, you've been very successful with wine, uh, notably in Australia, and now here. I can't go to any supermarket without seeing the Botham Vino coming at me. Are you enjoying your new, your new world as a wine master? Uh, I, I, I love it. I wish I'd done it 15 years ago. Uh, it, it's uh, a, a totally different uh, way of life for me. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I've always enjoyed a glass of wine, as you know, but to actually be there and blending the wines, whether it's in New Zealand doing a Pinot uh, or whether we're in Kunawara uh, doing a Cabernet or the Barossa, or in uh, Argentina doing Malbecs. It's exciting mm. and uh, it's quite rewarding. So, um, yeah, look, I think the easiest way for, to get around this, Piers, is maybe you and Fred should come down. I'll take you down. Yes. And we'll go down to Hushheath. And we, you can come there, you can see the process, and more importantly, you can sample the Now, pro- we, the now product, we are talking. Which I think you'd it, enjoy. As you know, Lord Botham, I've had a few yeah. nights with you on the vino, and my liver has nearly recovered enough <laughs> to risk it again. Fred, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask it tomorrow. There'll be crew coming out of everyone's ears. Can you see a time in 10 years' time when a, a big royal event like Ascot will have English... Sparkling wine everywhere? English rosé? I think so. I mean, the thing is, with champagne, it's a lot to do with perception. Of course, quality is important. Krug is is the Rolls Royce of of champagne. But it's also about the perception of the consumer. And for English champagne, I mean, it's good that it's a quality label. Now it's starting in Sussex. And I think we've got to go to all the regions that produce sparkling wines. Um, But it's about the marketing. It's about the PR. And it's about, of course, what's in the bottle. But it's the perception of the consumer. It's very, very important for champagne. Well, I can say, as a Sussex man, I am absolutely delighted that it's turned out we have uh, this kind of quality of wine and particularly as we beat Kent where Lord Botham's wine is made. So despite all his bragging about his wine, Sussex won Kent nil. Lord Botham, great to talk to you. Fred, great to see you. (laughs) He's shouting, cheers beeping. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to, make sure it's uncensored. Good night. 